Good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll head out to Brandon once again and check in with Barry Lamb, who's at the Royal Manitoba Winter Fair. Also, we'll hear from FCC's Chief Economist, J.P. Gervais. And up first in today's country comment, Dan Bossy with Egg Resource Company will stop by to take a look at yesterday's USDA Prospective Plantings Report, the latest farm news and market numbers, all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon, you're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. The USDA released its Prospective Plantings Report yesterday. We got the details from Dan Bossy, president of Egg Resource Company in Chicago. This crop here looks like U.S. farmers almost totally responded to input costs, whether it be fertilizer, chemicals, or herbicides. And if you look at it, corn, of course, was the big loser. 89.5 million acres of corn is what the intentions showed us. Uh, that was down, you know, a little over 3.8 million acres from last year. The gains all went to soybeans at 91 million acres. And so when we look at combined corn and soybean acreage, we're down about 100,000 from last year, which gives credence to that peak U.S. farmland theory that's going around. U.S. wheat acreage, 47.4 million, uh, was up a little bit from what we're, we're from last year, but again, 400,000 acres below expectation. So on this whole seeding side of things, not enough. And the markets are, of course, reflecting that in the grains, wheat, and corn being higher. Soybeans lower on those big numbers, uh, just at least for now. But the corn-soybean ratio at 2.1 to 1 says that the bean market probably doesn't have a lot to fall. Talk a bit more about the fertilizer prices and the impact that played. Well, normally, farmers in the United States plant relative to their margin or profitability. And, and uh, when we were looking at corn prices relative to beans and we were looking at the, uh, the margin, farmers were looking at about $300 an acre in corn relative to about $150 an acre in beans. But this year, for whatever reason, fertilizer costs and input costs kind of trumped that. And so farmers reacted to their higher costs of input and decided they needed to cut back on corn. Now, these numbers can still move a little bit as we get into spring planting season. Uh, we've seen you know acreage go up or down 2 or 3 million acres in corn and beans relative to Mother Nature. But the, uh, the difference this year from any other year we've seen, looking backwards for three decades, is the importance of fertilizer and nitrogen prices in particular and how that impacted planting uh, corn in this case. And uh, what did we see for the wheat number? The wheat number on seedings came out at 47.4 million acres. Of that, 11.2 was springy acres, which should be key to Canadian farmers. Uh, Durham acres were uh, were higher by 300,000 acres, but hard red spring, that's a class that most uh, North Dakota and uh, the northern parts of the Plains plant was down 500,000 acres. And so Minneapolis wheat will find a bid relative to Kansas City or Chicago. And we now would argue that Canadian farmers need to plant more hard red spring as we head into the uh, the, the new crop cycle, uh, just based on world need of, with Russia being out of the world market, or I should say the Black Sea being diminished in the world market in terms of an exporter. That lower corn number, is that going to be enough to, to fill demand? Uh, that lower corn number is going to give us stock use ratios that are near record lows. So the answer to that is no. The demand component side of it all depends upon our uh, the Brazilian safrina crop, which is now growing, and of course uh, what will happen with the war and the duration of the war in Ukraine. Both of those will be very key to the corn market. But today, as you look at that acreage number, at least in my end stocks, are now under a billion bushels, which means we're at pipeline and corn prices need to stay high for an extended period of time. 
Let's also remember that when we're looking at corn production this year, USDA is using a record yield. Back-to-back record yields are unlikely, but hopeful, at least as we move into a new growing season. Anything else stand out for you in the report? Really, the other things that were were obvious in this report kind of gets pushed aside a little bit with stocks. Uh, U.S. corn feeding was larger than expected by about 35 million bushels in the last quarter, and stocks at 7.8 billion bushels. The big surprise was wheat end stocks, a little over a billion bushels, a billion 25. And that's the lowest stock total we can find for wheat looking backwards for more than 15 years. So old crop wheat stocks are tight. We're concerned about, of course, that crop in the plains that stretches from Texas northward to the Dakotas. Not enough moisture. We'll see how that all plays out. But nothing in terms of granary supplies, but that is saying corn or wheat as we head into a new growing season. That was Dan Bossy, president of Egg Resource Company, talking to us about yesterday's USDA Prospective Plantings Report. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. U.S. farmers are expected to plant more acres of soybeans than corn this year. Dan Bossy, president of Egg Resource Company in Chicago, says that's due in part to high fertilizer prices. Normally, farmers in the United States plant relative to their margin or profitability. And, and uh, when we were looking at corn prices relative to beans and we were looking at the, uh, the margin, farmers were looking at about $300 an acre in corn relative to about $150 an acre in beans. But this year, for whatever reason, fertilizer costs and input costs kind of trumped that. And so farmers reacted to their higher cost of input and decided they needed to cut back on corn. Now, these numbers can still move a little bit as we get into spring planting season. Uh, we've seen, you know, acreage go up or down two or three million acres in corn and beans relative to Mother Nature. But the, uh, the difference this year from any other year we've seen looking backwards for three decades is the importance of fertilizer and nitrogen prices in particular. The USDA released its prospective plantings report yesterday. Hog producers are keeping a close eye on the markets. Tyler Fulton is Director of Risk Management with Hams Marketing Services. The forward contract prices have kind of reflected a pretty exceptional position, you know, compared to to history. When you've got summer prices that exceed $280 per pig, you know, over several weeks on several different programs, it's exceptional. The one thing to note, obviously, is that feed prices are also exceptional. And so what producers need to focus on is the margins that are available at those levels. He notes we continue to see really volatile prices in the context of what's happening in Ukraine with some pretty significant changes in supply over the course of the last six months and then demand factors that are still getting impacted by supply chain issues. And the 2022 Farm Family Awards were handed out this week at the Royal Manitoba Winter Fair. This year's recipients include the Barron family from Carberry, the Cavers family of C2 Charlet, the Donahoes of Brandon, the Hunter family of Diamond T. Limousin, the Weeb family of Beaver Creek Farms, and the Jameson family of Brandon. The BMO Farm Family Awards recognize the impressive contributions to the agriculture community across the province. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Egg Wire for Friday, April 1st. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll hear from FCC's Chief Economist, J.P. Gervais. Farm Credit Canada has released its annual food report. FCC's Chief Economist J.P. Gervais says despite the challenges of 2021, Canada's food manufacturers grew sales. With more on that, here's Glenda Lee Allen-Vossler. 
JP, take us through some of the highlights of the report. The food sector has seen enormous challenges in 2021. It's fair to say that as we're, you know, we are just starting 2022. Well, we're probably uh, close to being done with the first quarter of 2022. I think the story, the main story remains inflation. And so when you look at food manufacturing, pretty strong performance overall. I mean, the numbers, the aggregate numbers tell a pretty good paint a pretty good picture of the food sector, really. I mean, we've had food manufacturing sales that were up, you know, 15 or close to 15% in 2021. But some of that number, I mean, is driven by the high inflation that we started to see somewhat uh, in the second half of 2021 and that we're seeing now in 2022. I think the good news now for food manufacturers is that their margins for a long time have been quite, a, you know, been under pressure quite a bit. I mean, so if food manufacturers are seeing pressures on their margins, on their profit margins, well, that tends to lead them to actually uh, try to work with, you know, maybe smaller costs at the farm level in terms of purchasing farm products. And so now what we saw in 2021 is that after multiple years of declining margins, we saw margins actually improve at the food processing level, which I think is is a pretty positive sign when you think of, you know, sort of the drivers behind it, the ability to pass on some of the additional costs that they face when purchasing raw products or at the farm level and pass on those increases at the retail level and so and, and, and making sure that, you know, that the margins remain, you know, at a reasonable level. So overall, I think it's, it's a, um, a picture of resiliency given as well all the different other challenges that food manufacturers actually saw in 2021. If you think of COVID was a, a big driver of business in terms of, you know, sometimes the availability of workers, labor shortages, transportation challenges, bottlenecks in supply chains. Um, so there have been a number of different things, but overall, I think pretty strong performance in 2021. And I do think that despite some of the challenges remaining, I think we're looking at a uh, encouraging 2022 as well. So let's dig into it a little deeper and talk about some of the the highlights and overall findings for some of the key sectors, starting with grains, bread, cereals. Yeah, absolutely. So there's been a really encouraging years when you look at you know the ability of uh, all levels of the supply chain, really, from the farm level to handlers or wholesalers and food manufacturers when it comes to bakeries and so forth. You're looking at some of the higher prices that were built in in the supply chain. And if you're looking at the performance all the way up to consumers, whether domestic or foreign, uh, the reality is that we have pretty, very, very strong demand as well in foreign markets. So, yes, you know, inflation has been strong. And so for the consumer, this isn't great. But, I mean, part of that is that we're been successful passing on some of the higher costs because of the really, really strong demand that we have for grains and oil seeds worldwide. Worldwide, sorry, and and as well, you know, for the bakery products that we're able to sell mostly in the United States. So I think when it comes to bakery and and anything related to grains and oil seeds, I think the number one highlight I would say is, as I would point out too, is really the strength and the demand that we face. And um, I think it shows up as well in the trade balance numbers that uh, we recorded for 2021. Our exports grew. And, hey, we are an, an open trading nation. And so, yes, we do export more, and we did export more in 2021. But uh, we saw imports coming in, which is competition for food manufacturers and farmers. We saw imports coming in 
go up, but at a much slower pace. So basically, we've been able to do better from an export standpoint. So again, speaking to the strength of the demand for the goods and food that we produce here at home. Highlights and overall findings for the meat industry? Well, meat is is, is uh, definitely a case of pretty strong demand uh, globally. If you look at beef, the demand for beef domestically has been good, but it's been even greater when you look at elsewhere in the world. And that comes from all the different markets in Asia, comes from the United States as well, which we increased our exports. Uh, pork as well was, was, was a, a market that has done well, maybe not as well as 2020 and 2021 because China started to rebuild their pig populations after you know dealing with the African swine fever virus that uh, basically wiped out a great, great portion of their pig populations. But now they have started to rebuild in 2021, which led them to import less than they had in 2020. Having said that, we were able to find different other markets. So with the trade agreements that Canada has signed on and started to implement in recent years, I think that helped as well. So overall, I think it's just strength and demand is, is in foreign markets in particular has been has been one of the drivers. Uh, but I mean, I think in red meats as well has been one of the sectors that has had to deal with a lot of different disruptions at the plant level, right, when it comes to food processing. And, and this is um, this is labor shortages, uh, higher wages, um, and if you look at overall cost structure of food processors, and when it comes to red meat, I think that's one of the sectors that has faced the most uh, inflation. And the good news is, and sometimes we speak to how consumer food preferences are evolving, but if you account for a lot of the, the inflation that we've seen at the retail level when it comes to red meats, for example, um, at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's, it's somewhat a good thing that consumption domestically has not declined, uh, that has remained really flat, you know, throughout 2021, given the level of prices that we have at the retail level. So, you know, consumers still value a lot of their red meat proteins, and I'm expecting a good year in 2022, if we can get inflation under control. Overall, final thoughts, key comments going into uh, the rest of 2022 here? Well, I mean, we the only thing that we can expect that we're sure of is volatility, right? So the war in Ukraine is, is, is rocking the market in terms of all commodities, whether it's energy, food, agriculture, and so forth. So I expect more volatility into 2022. Um, and I think, you know, despite, uh, you know, putting aside, you know, the impact of the war on a lot of different commodity markets. We were going into the year in twenty early, early 2022 with very, very strong demand and very tight supply pretty much everywhere across the different commodity markets. And so um, I think fundamentally, I do think that, you know, the, the, the outlook is positive for the industry. I think the only unknown and, and the biggest wild card is whether or not, you know, businesses at all levels of the supply chain are going to be able to control costs. Because there's a lot of inflation in the supply chain right now. And at some point, the Canadian consumer is going to say, whoa, stop, you know, and, and probably make some decisions that to offset some of the higher prices that the consumer is seeing at the retail level. So we need to be mindful of that. But overall, I think that the demand, you know, domestically as well as, you know, in foreign markets is pretty strong and, and a positive for the industry as a whole. That's Farm Credit Canada's Chief Economist, J.P. Gervais. For Golden West, I'm Glendalee Allen-Vossler. Thanks, Glendalee. 
That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. On behalf of Glenda Lee Allen Vossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return next week on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. The Royal Manitoba Winter Fair wraps up tomorrow at the Keystone Centre in Brandon. The annual general meeting for Manitoba Pork is planned for April 6th at the Fairmont, Winnipeg. You can register on the Manitoba Pork website. The Manitoba Sustainable Energy Association invites you to the annual Sustainable Energy Conference April 6th at the William Glesby Centre in Portage La Prairie. Manitoba Beef and Forage Initiative is hosting grazing workshops April 12th to the 14th. One will take place April 12th at the Northdale Farm Site north of Brandon. Another one April 13th at the Ericsdale Community Centre and April 14th at the Grandview Kinsman Community Centre. Register on the MBFI website. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Friday afternoon. The Royal Manitoba Winter Fair wraps up tomorrow in Brandon. Reporter Barry Lamb was there this week and caught up with Taylor Buckberger, a heavy horse exhibitor from Langenberg, Saskatchewan. Well, Taylor, we're in the, the heavy horse barn here. Uh, what what breed are you showing here this week? Uh, we show a four horse of Clyde's this week. Clyde's, okay. Yeah. What got you into the heavy horses? Actually, my wife and her dad. <laughs> well, you say that with a smile, you must be having some fun. Yeah, it's going to be a good time, I think. Okay. What is the draw with this show? Have you been to the Royal quite a few times or so? Uh, yeah, with Kim's dad, we've been here probably four or five times, and this is the first time showing ourselves. So. How much does this week keep you busy uh, big animals a lot of tack to put on and take off uh, how, how busy is the week well we started putting horses in the barn beginning of december so we've been cleaning the barn twice a week for <laughs> quite a while and what kind of classes will you be in here uh we'll be in team uh cart we'll be doing uh unicorn which is two on the wheel and then one out front and then we'll be doing a four horse as well and then i think our daughter is actually doing a cart class how are the numbers here this year, whether it's the Clydes or all, all the breeds? I think it's kind of comparable to the last few times that we've been here. So, How nice to have this show up and running again. Uh, it's, good. it's good to get out and do stuff. So, The pandemic, how much has it impacted keeping the horses ready to go and, and getting in show shape? How, how much has the, the two years done to you? For us, it hasn't been too bad because we've, you know, we ha- we've had two little kids here in the last five years, so we haven't done a whole pile, but... I don't know. For us, we started pretty early, and my wife did a lot of it because I work shift work, so she drives a fair bit while I'm not at home. Talk about the passion to do this. It's a a lot of work, isn't it? (laughs) That's putting it lightly. (laughs) Why do you like it so much? I don't know. It's just something different. So it's And once you get into the multiples, it's a nice challenge. And this facility, how nice is this Keystone Complex? Beautiful. Yeah, can't ask for much better. And expand on that. Why is it so nice here? What's good about it? It's clean, it's large, there's room, there's room to expand, and yeah, it's just really nice. That was Taylor Buckberger, a heavy horse exhibitor at the Royal Manitoba Winter Fair this week. He's from Langenberg, Saskatchewan. Taylor was chatting with reporter Barry Lamb. The Royal Manitoba Winter Fair wraps up tomorrow. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. The hog markets have been on the upswing as of late. Tyler Fulton is Director of Risk Management with Ham's Marketing Services. Cash prices, again, um, have been exceptional. We've got, you know, cash prices this week, you know, ranging from $220 per CKG to 240 depending on 
the specific program. For this time of year, these are exceptional prices, but again, you know, it, it's important to reference the fact that we are also looking at exceptionally high prices for soybean meal, you know, other protein meals, and, and corn and, and the carbohydrate component of the diet as well. Exceptional times all around. The USDA released its prospective plantings report Thursday. We got the details from Dan Bossy, president of Ag Resource Company in Chicago. This crop year, it looks like U.S. farmers almost totally responded to input costs, whether it be fertilizer, chemicals, or herbicides. And if you look at it, corn, of course, was the big loser. 89.5 million acres of corn is what the intentions showed us. Uh, that was down, you know, a little over 3.8 million acres from last year. The gains all went to soybeans at 91 million acres. And so when we look at combined corn and soybean acres, we're down about 100,000 from last year, which gives credence to that peak U.S. farmland theory that's going around. U.S. wheat acreage, 47.4 million, uh, was up a little bit from last year, but again, 400,000 acres below expectations. And Farm Credit Canada is now accepting applications from registered charities and nonprofit organizations in rural Canada for the FCC AgriSpirit Fund. The fund will award $1.5 million in funding this year. The application deadline is April 29th, and FCC will announce the selected projects in September. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here on Monday starting at 12 noon.